the new birth. And I want to kind of launch this um, with picking up in Paul's letter to the uh, Corinthian church in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so Paul is basically just reminding the Corinthian church of their responsibility to the word, to the world, excuse me. And in 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11 through 17, he says, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. 28 years. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, and sometimes we are crazy, it is to bring God glory, glory to God. If we are in our right minds, which we try to be on Sundays and some other times during the week, but sometimes we are crazy. And as Paul says, if it seems that we're crazy, we don't think we're crazy. (laughs) Crazy people never think they're crazy, right? But if it seems that we're crazy, it's, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's to bring glory to God. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Everyone say the old life. Verse 15, he died, he being Jesus, died for everyone so that those who receive, say receive, his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So Paul is basically saying, hey, church, let's not forget that something really amazing happened. Christ, the Messiah, came. And so if they were the Jewish Christians, had been looking and looking and looking and looking for the Messiah to come. And now the Messiah came and died and was raised. And because of this, they had received that new life. And because of that, We have been able to receive new life. Praise God. Verse 16 says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. And then Paul says, How differently we know him now. And you probably can remember that same same experience. Before water baptism, before repentance, before receiving God's spirit, you may have thought all different kinds of things about Jesus. He's a good teacher. He's a prophet. He, has, he can't help me at all. You know, we all had different things that we came out and looked about Jesus. But how differently we know him now. Praise God. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And so Paul is reminding the church about their history. And for all the Jewish converts, the connection was probably pretty clear. But for all the non-Jewish Christians... It may have taken a Jewish person or now a Christian to kind of help piece that together. And so we are going to look at the new birth. And really what what Paul is talking really about is the new birth, is about new life. And so how do we receive this new life that he's talking about? And before we do that, I'm going to go to the Old Testament. We're We're going to start all the way back in Genesis and kind of work our way through the Old Testament in 13 minutes. Can we do it? No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. (laughs) Careful. (laughs) Get me excited. Now, we're going to go to the last book of the Old Testament, and we're going to look at Malachi. And here are some of the last things that the Lord says through the prophet Malachi to his people. 
And, and in chapter 1 Malachi, of Malachi, he says in verse 2, I have always loved you, says the Lord, but you retort, really? How have you loved us? And really, that first little line, I have always loved you. And if you really did go back, and if I really did start in Genesis, we could map all the different ways that God had showed his love. From creation to, to Malachi, or even today, we could... We could just draw little lines just through all the different things that God did for his people, that God has done for us, to really show how much God has always loved us. But oftentimes, our, our reply to God is, really, where are you now, God? What, do you, what have you done for me lately, God? Where are you now? Where are you in this situation? Where are you in this circumstance? Later on in verse 6, the Lord talks about... Un- that we've been bringing unworthy sacrifices, or that the Jewish people at that time had been bringing unworthy sacrifices. In verse 6, it says, The Lord of heaven's army says to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices. And so the Jewish people at this time, instead of bringing the best of the best, instead of bringing the best of who they were, the best of their, their flocks and their, their, their offerings to the Lord, they were bringing the lame and the bruised and the cheap and the, dis- the, you know, the discarded. And, and that's just not what God called for. And then in chapter 2, God gives a warning to the priests, just a reminder that, hey, those you know, priests, you were supposed to be doing certain things, saying certain things, conducting yourselves in a certain way. And then and continue on in that ch- uh, chapter 2, it talks, and there's a call to faithfulness. That God is, 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 again, he's, again, he's always reaching, always calling, always knocking on our doors, and he's calling them back to, to a place of faithfulness. And he compares it to marriage. And, in the, you know, and this is where we get the passages that he hates divorce. Um, and, and he compares our relationship with him to a marriage. And then in chapter 3, he says that there's a day of judgment coming. He says, look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord who you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's army. And then it, later on, it, and then he, God calls for a time of repentance. And ver, chapter 3, verse 7 says, Ever since the days of our ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. It says, Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's army. And then the Lord gives a little promise of mercy in there. And then again, there's an, he, and then he gives another warning that the, a day of judgment is coming. In chapter 4, verse 2, it says, But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free leaping with joy like calves led out to the pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, and all the decrees and regulations that I have gave him on the Mount of Sinai for all of Israel. And then he closes with, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah. Before the great and dreadful day the Lord arrives, his preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land. And then nothing for 400 years. Just silence. No more word from the prophets. No more word, nothing. 400 years. So, we're going to do a little lesson here. For the next 400 years, we're just going to be silent. 
Can we do it? <laughs> yeah, fast forward. <laughs> Hit the fast forward button. So for 400 years, nothing. And that first generation, they were probably easily focused, easily aware of what the prophet was saying. They were in tune because they had just, hey, they had, they had the message. It was fresh. But 100 years goes by. And that prophet's died off, and the people have died off, and it's a new generation, and they're just remembering what the Lord said, and then another 100 years, and it's been 300 years, and, and they're like, hey, where, where is God? Well, is God ever going to speak to us again? He gave us these promises. Are they ever going to, is it ever going to happen? Is he going to come ever, ever? And then 400 years, and nothing, and nothing, and sometimes, you know, it's just easy to lose hope after 400 years. After 2,000 years, are we going to lose hope? That he's really coming back. And so that was only 400. We've been waiting 2,000 years for him to come back. But we have to just keep hoping and keep hoping and keep watching. Because then all of a sudden, we get to the New Testament. And we get to Matthew. And we get the words from Matthew. And said, in chapter 3, it says, In those days John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, along the western side of the Dead Sea, saying, and again, John, he's... John the Baptist here, he's considered some to be one of the last Old Testament prophecies. And John, he's the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were priests. And so by all accounts, John himself was in that line, in that lineage, to be a priest himself. But here, God is calling John out to the wilderness to preach, to preach a message in verse 2 of repentance. And he says, repent, basically change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life. Pastor Gary always, it's the matinee, it's a, it's a change of mind, it's that 180, it's, hey, I was going in this direction of sin, but I'm repenting and I'm turning and I'm going in this direction now, going away and I'm doing things that prove that I've repented. Not just that I'm sorry that I got caught. Because sometimes we often find ourselves there. I'm just sorry that I got caught. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Matthew kind of puts this in because, again, this would have been written kind of after the fact, after all of these events had taken place. And in verse 3, says, this is the one who was mentioned by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the, Lord, the road for the Lord, make his highway straight. And again, if you can kind of picture kind of Old, Old Testament time, wilderness, rocky, hilly. These noblemen of the Old Testament, they would have, or these noblemen of the past, they would have had this whole crew that would have gone before them and just did nothing but just clear the road and clear it and clear it and make it really smooth so that nobleman wasn't like riding on the, the horse and the donkey and just like, you know, just getting a head bob going on. That's where they came out with the first head bob. It was way back in the Old Testament. It's just like, hey. No, they had people that cleared the way to make it straight. And that's what John is saying. He's saying, hey, clear out all that stuff in your life that is keeping a straight way for God to get to you. Praise God. It's in verse 4, it says, Now this same John had clothing of camel's hair and a leather band around his waist and ate food of locusts and wild honey. I don't know. It seems pretty healthy, I guess. At the time, Jerusalem was coming out to him and all Judea and the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them. Now, again, if you're kind of, maybe, you know, Pharisees, Sadducees, kind of we kind of throw these terms around like we just assume that everybody knows what a Pharisee and a Sadducee is. So 
just real quick. Pharisees identified with the common people, and for a lot of intensive purpose, it had a lot of control over them. Um, they were the prominent uh, legalistic leaders of, Ju- of the, you know, of Judaism and of the experts of the Mosaic Law and all the rituals and all of the traditions. Um, they believed in the resurrection of the dead, immor- immortality of the soul, and existence of angels and spirits. So those were the the Pharisees. Now the Sadducees, and you're going to figure out why they're called Sadducees. See, they were aristocratic members of a priestly group, basically the religious party who controlled the temple. And they denied the possibility of a resurrection and the existence of any spiritual beings apart from God. Said so although the Sadducees were small in number or in the minority, uh, they were the leaders of the Sanhedrin or basically controlling that the Jewish court. Uh, and so you can see that's why they're called sad Sadducees because they didn't believe in a resurrection. And so they were sad. So we've got these two groups of people that were kind of the religious people of the day that were expected to know the law, that were expected to live above, you know, above and to set the example. They're coming out to be baptized. And John says unto them, you broad of vipers who warned you to flee the wrath and judgment to come. It says produce fruit that is consistent with repentance. Again, demonstrating new behavior that proves a change of heart. Not just that we're sorry. A conscious decision to turn away from sin. And do not presume to say to yourselves as a defense, hey, we have Abraham as our father. And so basically believing that because we had Abraham as our father, our, our, our inheritance assures us salvation. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children or descendants for Abraham. Verse 10, and already the axe of God's judgment is swinging toward the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 11, it says, as for me, I baptize you with water because of your repentance. Again, that is because of your willingness to change your inner self, your old way of thinking, doing that about face, that 180, going in a new direction. He says, I'm going to baptize you with water. Then he says, but he, he being the Messiah who is coming after me, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to remove. He will baptize you who truly repent with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then in verse 12, he says, the winnowing fork is in his hand. And basically, that's just an old tool that they use to help with the wheat, get the chaff, clean it all up. I don't know. I've never seen one. It's just what the Internet says. You have to trust the Internet. The Internet does not lie. He will gather his wheat, the believers, into his barn, the kingdom, and he will burn up the chaff, the unrepentant, with unquenchable fire. So here we have John the Baptist, and all of a sudden he shows up on the scene after 400 years of silence, after 400 years of nothing, nothing from God, nothing from a prophet, and his message is repent. Repent. Turn away. Do an about face. Stop the sin. Be sorry for the sin. Not just sorry that you got caught. And turn and head toward God, head back toward God. And then he says, because of your repentance, I'm going to baptize you in water for the remission of those sins. And that's what we experienced last Sunday with a pastor's family getting baptized. And then he says, against all popular belief and against all some of popular beliefs out there in Christianity, is that, hey, there's going to be a separate baptism from the Messiah of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit or, and with fire. And so repentance isn't water baptism, and water baptism isn't baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so there's a huge distinction there. And that's what we're going to look at during this series is is this new birth, is this new life that Paul was talking about to the Corinthian church, is that, hey, this newness of life, that new life that God has now been able to offer us because he came 
He died. He was resurrected. Praise God. You can all stand with me this morning. And what we've got, I, didn't, I had some slides and I had some cool pictures and I was going to bring them up, but I ran out of time. I had too many announcements. But if we could just kind of put ourselves back in Old Testament real quick, the wilderness. We've got the prophet out there calling people to the wilderness to repent, to repent. And the picture here is, is that that wilderness, if you stay in that wilderness, you're just going to dry up. If you stay unrepentant, you're going to dry up. But then as people repented, they were baptized, and they were brought to the river. And the river was where the life was. The water was where the life was. And so after they repented of those sins, they came out of that wilderness, and they came to the, to the, to the river where there was trees that were green and fruit and vegetation and life. And you can just see the picture that God is painting that repent of your sins. Come out of that old way. Come out of that deadness. Come out of that dryness, and I'm going to bring you to life. And they had to come to the Jordan because there was, we know that if you're going to get baptized, you got to get baptized in lots of water. So they were in the Jordan, and you can go to the Jordan River today, and then you can get baptized in the Jordan River, or you can go online and watch all kinds of cool people get baptized there. But you can see the picture. Come out of that deadness, come into life. Praise God. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for the next couple weeks is the new birth. Praise God. Let's uh, worship with our worship team. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Lord, for this word that has gone forth. Oh, thank you, Lord, for new life. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to be that dead person, that dead thing that we were, that old life. But, God, we can experience new life. And, God, and we can ask for repentance again today. God, when we mess up, when we fall, when we fail, when we mess up, we can come to you, God, and humble ourselves and seek forgiveness and seek that repentance, Lord, and that turning, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just put this word in our hearts, Lord. Uh, Lord, that we would go forth from this place and have this word in the name of Jesus.